Yes. Wow, so good, so good. Great to be with you guys this morning. All of our campuses joining us right now. Listen, we're celebrating several things. First of all, we celebrate Jesus and the gospel every Sunday we get together, right? But we celebrate all the father figures, the dads, the stepdads, the granddads, the uncles, the, the foster parents, all those dads, all those men who are leading strong. Can we just one more time say thank you to all the father figures across all of our campuses. So we celebrate Father's Day. We also today celebrate another thing. We celebrate Juneteenth. This is a day we commemorate the emancipation of enslaved African Americans in our country. It's the anniversary of the announcement. It was known as General Order Number 3. It took place in Galveston, Texas. It became a national holiday. We celebrate with our African American brothers and sisters their freedom today and that emancipation, and we're grateful for it. Amen? So... So much to celebrate, but we do celebrate always, overall, Jesus and who he is. And so today on this Father's Day weekend, we're excited to jump into Psalm 23. We're in the water series, and we're looking at how water is talked about in the Bible and is so very integral to what's taking place in the scriptures. We're going to go to one of the most beloved places in scripture today, Psalm 23, and I think we're going to come at it in a very unique way. Now, first of all, I want you to understand when you come to the Bible, there's always the primary purpose and message in what you're reading, and then there can be secondary applications. So I want you to know that the primary thing we're going to look at in Psalm 23 is Jesus. Psalm 23 is about a shepherd, and that shepherd is Jesus, and we're going to look at that primarily. But for all the father figures in the room on Father's Day weekend, there is a strong secondary application, and it's this. As we look at the kind of shepherd Jesus is, that teaches us what kind of shepherd we should be. Don't we want to be like Jesus? And he's going to show us what it looks like to be a shepherd in our homes, shepherd the heart of a child, shepherd uh, those who God has put under us. And so I think this is going to be very helpful for us today. So let's go to Psalm 23, 1 through 3, and read these words. We're not going to look at the whole psalm today, though it is all beloved and all powerful. We're going to look in particular at these three verses. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And Heavenly Father, we pray today that you would open our hearts by your spirit and illuminate your word for us, that it will change and transform us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, guys, let's dive into these words. First of all, I want you to see a few features. Number one, I want you to see that the point, the ultimate point, of Jesus being the best shepherd for us is his own glory. It says here he does all of this for his name's sake. So I want you to understand Jesus being a great shepherd is for your good, but it's his glory. Okay, He is glorious in his shepherding. I also want you to see that it says here, if he's your shepherd, you shall not want. I want you to know if you look into the Hebrew, that doesn't mean that you'll never want anything again because I'm a Christian and I still want stuff and you do too. So what does it actually mean? The idea here actually is the idea of you'll never lack for anything. And it doesn't mean that you'll never lack for anything that maybe you want. What it's saying is you will never lack for anything that God knows you need. Okay? You'll never have to worry about that. But as we dive into this, I want you to see two important words that we're going to focus on today. It says here, the Lord is my shepherd. And then it says two things that if he is your shepherd, he will do. And the words are makes and leads. If he's your shepherd, our shepherd makes us 
and he leads us. Now, those two words are problematic for us sometimes because all of us like to be individualistic, especially as Americans. It's ingrained in us, and we really don't want anyone making us do anything, do we now? We don't, no, 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 don't make me do anything. And we don't really want to be led. Like, we lead ourselves, right? But you got to remember, if you're a Christian, you're a, you have dual citizenship. You're a citizen of this country, and this is a great country. We're grateful for it. You're also a citizen of heaven. And if you're a citizen of heaven, you have a king. And you're not the boss of your own life anymore. He is. And so, our shepherd, you're going to find it's a good shepherd. He makes us. And he leads us according to this verse. Now, there are promises held in Psalm 23 that are beloved and rightly so. In fact, if you go all the way to the end, it says that if the Lord is your shepherd, you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That means that even death isn't so bad for Christians because we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a great promise? But the promises we're going to look at in particular today is that if he is my shepherd, he will lead me still waters, and he will make me lie down in green pastures. So I have a leader. I have a maker. But only if, and this is important for you to understand about this psalm, only if the first phrase is true. No promise in Psalm 23 is true for you unless the first phrase is true. And what is this first pivotal phrase? The Lord is my shepherd. King David wrote this looking forward to Jesus, and he said it under the inspiration of the Spirit, very precisely, with surgical precision, he chose the right words to tell us about the shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. If the Lord's not your shepherd, then no other promise in Psalm 23 is true for you. If the Lord is not your shepherd, no green pastures and no still waters. You won't find them. If the Lord is not your shepherd, you should be afraid of the valley of the shadow of death. As a Christian, if he's your shepherd, you don't have to be afraid of the valley of the shadow of death. But if he is not your shepherd, you should be afraid of death. Absolutely. It is, it is a frightful thing, the valley of the shadow of death. If the Lord is not your shepherd, you will not dwell in his house forever. But if the Lord is your shepherd... and and how many, how many of you in this room and in all of our rooms, all of our campuses can say, the Lord is my shepherd, okay? If the Lord is your shepherd, you don't even have to fear death. The valley, the shadow, the death, death, nothing for you. It has no power over you. You will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Your eternity is locked and sealed. So relax. Chill out. I know gas is expensive, but you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know politics are crazy. You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I know the culture is a little wild and, and woolly right now. You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever if the Lord is your shepherd. Okay? But also, if the Lord is your shepherd, he leads you and he makes you. And we need to look at that today. But first, I want, to, I want us to dissect the most the most pivotal phrase in the passage, the Lord is my shepherd. David wrote it under the inspiration of the Spirit, meaning that it is precise. We're going to put it on the screens here. It's going to be for all of you online and all of our campuses to see why each word matters. He says the. He does not say a Lord. He says the Lord. That's important because David was writing and they were surrounded by polytheistic nations. Polytheistic means they believed in many gods. 
But David steps up and he says, I know who the God is. There's not many gods. There's one creator. There's one God. The only one. He does not say a God. He says the Lord. Only one. Only one way to heaven. Only one creator. Only one savior. Only one substitute. Only one God. David says there's one. Not many. Then he says Lord. Lord. He uses that word from the Old Testament that means authority. It means he's a king. Jesus is the shepherd who wears the crown. He's a king. And, and let me just tell you about Jesus. He's a boss, y'all. Jesus is bossy. He'll get all up in your business. He doesn't have boundaries. You know how some relationships, you're like, you know, you got boundaries. Jesus will just get all up in your business. He'll tell you how to parent your kids. He'll tell you how to be married. He'll tell you how you need to do sexuality. He'll tell you how to handle your money. That's really the one. You're like, don't talk to me about my money. He's like, <laughs> he even goes so far to go, it's not even your money anymore. <laughs> He's a king. He's a boss. The Lord is the king. Notice this word, the Lord is. He does not say he was, and he doesn't say he will be. David says, moment by moment, today, in this moment, the Lord is my shepherd. He's not resting on something that happened 30 years ago. He's not saying, oh yeah, I made a decision at a camp 30 years ago. He's saying, no, today he is my shepherd. Today he is. And I would ask you today, is the Lord your shepherd right now? Are you walking with him? Are you following him? David said, the Lord is. And then it's personal. I want you to notice how personal this psalm is. The Lord is my shepherd. He's not just a shepherd. He's my shepherd. He's not just tipping his hat to go, yes, I think Jesus is a legitimate king and Lord and shepherd. No, he's saying, no, he's mine. I follow Jesus. David's saying, I can say, I have a relationship with this shepherd. He is my shepherd. I'm his sheep. He's my shepherd. I want that for every person in this room today. I'm about to talk about promises. I'm about to talk about the way this shepherd leads us. But I got to tell you, if you have not made him your shepherd... By faith, then none of this is true for you, and I want it to be. I don't want a single person to leave on this Father's Day weekend without Jesus being your shepherd, because if the Lord is your shepherd, all those other promises are true for you. I want that for you. So David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He is my personal shepherd. Now, let's talk about the illustration, because the illustration is important. Because what the Bible is saying here, clearly Jesus is the shepherd, but that makes us the sheep. And folks, that is not exactly a compliment. I'm going to be honest with you. you ever looked at, has anyone ever looked at a sheep and said, my goodness, what a graceful, majestic creature that is? <laughs> no one goes to a zoo going, where's the sheep exhibit? The cheetahs are over here. I don't care about the cheetahs. We got leopards. Nope, don't want to see a leopard. There's elephants and giraffes. I don't care about those. I want to see the sheep. No one's ever said those words. Yet the Bible says, hey, if there's an animal that we can be compared to, it is a sheep. Now, let me tell you about sheep. I grew up hunting and doing outdoorsy stuff in the South. And I remember I had two great outdoorsmen uh, for a grandfather and a dad. And they would both say jokingly that the most nervous creature in the southern woods is the turkey. They would say the turkey. My granddad said a turkey thinks every tree is going to kill him. <laughs> because everything's out to get a turkey. So deer, you know, deer are smart. They'll walk in, but deer are kind of cool, man. 
They'll walk in, check the place out, and once they get comfortable, they're like, all right, man, we're good now, man. They'll talk to each other. You can see them out there just hanging out, the deer. They'll look around a little bit. If something moves, they're on it. But otherwise, they're like, we're good. Turkey walks out the whole time, little heads moving around. He can barely eat. He's scared to death. Sheep are that way too, though, because sheep and turkey have this in common. They're, everything wants to eat them. And they're very vulnerable. And in, listen, you got to know where the Bible was written and who it was written to. And in that agrarian culture, you had shepherds and you had sheep. It was common. Sheep were very valuable for a million different reasons. They, they needed the sheep. So the sheep were like gold and diamonds walking around out there in that field. And they were important, but they were very fragile, vulnerable creatures. And the number one threat, at least a sheep believed, in that day was these guys. That was their threat. Wolves. The Bible talks about wolves. The Bible talks over and over again about the fact that the shepherd, that's why shepherds had staffs. And you know, one end had a hook. You know what the hook was for? It was to keep the, the sheep from doing bad things. Okay, it's a, I know it's an easy joke. I will try my best not to go there again and again and again. But if it presents itself, I may grab it. You guys get a little sleepy on me, I'm bringing it back out, all right? So the hook was there to grab a sheep that's about to do something stupid. The shepherd knew how to go, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh-uh, come on back. There it was again, I know, there it was again. And I didn't even mean to do that one. And they bring him back. But the listen, the other end of that stick was to protect. The staff was also used to jab at the wolf, to hit the wolf, to run the wolf out of there because the wolf was always coming at him. And the sheep thought, like a turkey does in our woods, the sheep thinks every tree stump, that's a wolf. Everything that moves, that's a wolf. They hear something coming from behind them, that's a wolf. And the sheep can't really do anything because it's like no defense. Like what's it going to do? Just kind of look you to death? (laughs) Give you a mean look? Nothing. Sheep's got nothing. But here's the thing about sheep. Sheep don't even know sometimes what can kill them because they knew this guy could but the other most dangerous thing for sheep was this may surprise you you look at that and you're like that's a postcard from Gatlinburg (laughs) I want to sit next to that I want to have a cup of coffee and read a great book next to that can't you hear the trickle right now when you look at that picture you think why would that be dangerous now watch this because we're like sheep And we look at it, and all we see is that nice little still pool of water. But what you don't understand is just below it, oh, it speeds up. And it becomes white water just below the pool. And all the shepherds understood that not just wolves. The wolf was less dangerous because at least the sheep knew when the wolf came, I'm in trouble. But sheep didn't know this was dangerous until it had them. Because what sheep do, I don't know if you know this about a sheep, but a sheep is actually a walking sponge. You ever thought about it? Okay. Why does the Bible say a good shepherd leads sheep by still water? Because water's dangerous for sheep. They're not exactly Olympic swimmers, y'all. And they don't float. They soak. They soak it up. So if a sheep walks in weighing 100 pounds, he's coming out weighing 400. Because he's like a sponge. You could clean the counters in your kitchen with a sheep. Just rub it down with a sheep. He's a sponge. 
So what happens is sheep would go on their own without any leadership, and they'd go, you know what? That's great water. I'm thirsty, and they just dive into it. Forgetting that, they're sheep. And suddenly they're getting heavier and heavier, and that they're slippery rocks, and they slip and fall. And then, I don't know if you know this, they're not getting back up. And now they're in water, and they end up in that white water, and they're dead. They're dead like that. Good shepherds knew that they had to get their sheep by still water. In other words, good shepherds create and look for the best environments for their sheep to flourish. That's what the shepherd does. Now watch this. The primary application is that Jesus is the good shepherd doing that for all of us all the time. Every command he has for us is to get us by still waters and green pastures. Protect us, not harm us. Never holding back from us. Always giving us what's best for us. But the, so that's primary. The secondary application, though, is for all of us father figures in the room. What kind of environment are you creating and leading your family to in your home? And how you do what you do. And your conversations and what you put in their hands. And what you allow and what you don't allow. All of those things would be the If I look at Jesus and see how Jesus shepherds us, I need to also say, how am I shepherding my children? How am I a shepherd in my home? So there's three things we have in common with the sheep. Number one, we're fragile and vulnerable like they are. We're nervous like they are. We think everything will get us too. We're scared. That's why the whole New Testament, the most repeated command, is some form of do not be afraid. Because we are afraid. Even those of us who act like we're not, we are. We're nervous. We watch the economy. We watch the health stuff. And we've been reminded in the past few years that the whole world can come to a screeching halt over something we can't even see. COVID reminded us of that. It hadn't been since war, it's been since World War II that the whole world could feel that every single person on the planet, everything kind of got stopped. And we were reminded we are fragile. Even with all of our technological advances, we still are fragile. We, like sheep, are anxious and fearful because of that fragility I just described. We are very, the guys will put it on the screen, we are, number two, anxious and fearful. And so, that's why Jesus says, you know, Jesus had that beautiful thing where he looks at a crowd, looking at all of us through the pages of Scripture, and he says, guys, guys, y'all are all so afraid and worried and anxious. You don't know how to just trust me. And you remember what he said? He said, look at the birds. You ever seen a nervous bird? You've never seen a bird like going, you know, the price of worms is going through the roof. What am I going to do? Look at all these kids I have. I got, I got five eggs in a nest about to pop. What, how am I going to feed them? You never see that. They're just living life, man. And remember, G Jesus was being funny. He's probably way better at it than me, too. Whole crowd's laughing, and he's like, look at the birds. And he says, watch this. And if I care for them, how much more will I care for you? So he says, don't worry. Jesus says, I got you. Stop being anxious. Stop being afraid all of the time. And, and number three is the answer to number one and two. If Jesus is your shepherd, you are loved and nourished which is the answer to your anxiety and to your fear and to your fragility and to your vulnerability. Yes, we're fragile and vulnerable, but we have a shepherd who's watching out for us. 
And Jesus wants his sheep to show the world that we're well cared for. That's why he doesn't want us to walk around all anxious like everyone else and worried like everyone else. That's why he said for us not to worry about what we'll eat or drink. Remember what he said? He said that's what they do. In other words, that's what people who don't have him as their shepherd do. They worry all the time, and they should. He says, but my people should not worry like everybody else because I've got them. I've promised that I will lead them and care for them. And the kind of shepherd we have, he knows what we need. So he leads us beside green pastures, still water. So he leads us by this, this picture, green pastures. That's good news. And it's not just, when you look at it, you think, yeah, that means we get to eat sheep. He's gonna, but it's not just that. When I know, watch this, don't miss it because it's one of the primary things this scripture is trying to say to you. When I know that I will always have that, I can rest. That's the point. The point is, that's why he makes us lie down. Because we won't if he doesn't make us. He says, you're going to rest in me. It may take me your whole life to teach you how. But I'm going to teach you how to rest in me. That's how good he is. He leads us by this kind of water. Still water. Water that a sheep can ease into and it's not going to rush away with. It's consistent. It's an environment. And I got to ask myself, as a shepherd of a church and a shepherd of a home, what kind of environment am I? Leading my family to, how I lead my home. Is it a place of still water? Is it a place of green pasture? And how I let my family use technology and how I model it for them. Am I throwing them into rough water and saying good luck? Or am I saying no, 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 no. We're going to be careful. We're going to be really careful that this is rough water. We're going to be careful. I got to keep you by still water. When my kids were little, I used to have a, you know, we have a bedtime. We still kind of do, but when they were real little, it's like, you got to go to bed. Do you think my kids were ever like, man, thank you so much for looking out for my needs? <laughs> Your kids are the same way, right? My kids never want to go to bed. And I'm like, you're going to get older one day and you're going to want to go to bed. <laughs> but I would, I would come to them very lovingly, 8.30, hey man, it's bedtime. So I got to tell you, I'm the, I'm the shepherd. See, Jesus is a perfect shepherd. He would never do this. But I would look at him and I would just do the same thing back at him. And I'd say, I know, still go to bed. <laughs> Which always endeared me to them. And they were very grateful for my fathering when I openly mocked them. <laughs> what kind of environment am I setting for my kids? What kind of environment are you? Now, let's dive in because... Jesus comes along, and if you're wondering who David was talking about all those years before in the Old Testament, Jesus clears it up, doesn't he? If you're wondering who the good shepherd of Psalm 23 is, Jesus comes along and tells you who it is. In John 10, 11 through 15, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I, I am the one David was talking about. Then he goes on to tell you what kind of shepherd he is. He says, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. How many of us today are grateful that Jesus laid down his life for us? Yeah. But then he compares himself to other shepherds. See, the agrarian culture he spoke into would have gotten this. we got to work to get it. 
But there were people back then, because shepherding was such a big business and sheep were so valuable, people couldn't find good shepherds all the time. So you just have to hire a guy and you say, look, we'll pay you to watch our sheep. And they were hired help. They never got to know the sheep. They never loved the sheep. The sheep didn't matter to them. It was a paycheck. And they would only care for those sheep as long as the business arrangement stayed worthwhile to them, profitable. But the second it flipped and it was going to cost them more to care for those sheep than they were getting paid, they were out. Jesus makes the point. He says, look, verse 12, he who is a hired hand and is not really a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, he's telling you who he is. He says, I own you're mine. If you're mine, if the Lord is your shepherd, you belong to Jesus. He says, those guys see the wolf coming and they leave the sheep and they flee and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees, watch, he flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus is both telling you who he's not and who he is here. He's saying, I'm not the shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. No one just paid me to come do this. He's saying, Hired hands don't know the sheep, they don't care for the sheep, they don't love the sheep. He's saying, but I'm not that guy. I'm the good shepherd. So he tells you again, verse 14, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. And just as the Father knows me, if you want to know how close Jesus is to you, he compares it to how close he is to his Father. He says, it's so close, it's like how I know the Father and the Father knows me. And then he reminds us, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Look, your shepherd's got scars on his hands and feet. When you see your shepherd grab that stick to keep you from doing something stupid, look back and you'll see through his hand because there's a hole in it reminding you of how much he loves you. That's our shepherd who cares for you. See, A few things we learn about Jesus from Psalm 23 and John 10. A good shepherd leads the sheep where they need to go rather than where they want to go. Has Jesus ever led you somewhere you didn't really want to go? That's why the valley of the shadow of death is in Psalm 23 as well. And what he promises is, even when you're in the valley of the shadow of death, he can show you where there's a green pasture and still water. Even there, he will provide for you exactly what you need. Isn't that good news? That's why, look, I've, I've watched people in this church at their lowest point. I've watched people on the last stretch of the chemo treatments when their body just wants to give out and they're exhausted. And I've watched them find, because Jesus led them there, still water and green pasture that nourished them and got them through. It's amazing how good our shepherd is. It's amazing how well he can provide for us. That is true of him, though. He will lead you where you don't want to go all the time, and that's true of good shepherds in our homes. Sometimes you're going to have to lead in a way, dads and father figures in this room, sometimes you're going to have to lead in a way that's not their favorite way in the moment. Again, my kids, would have, when they were little, they would have eaten gummy worms as a steady diet. But I had to go, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And I know this isn't what you want, but you know what? We're going to give you good food to eat. And you're going to have to go to bed. And then as my kids got older and we got this thing called technology. Look, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. I I can't imagine just putting a phone in in an 11-year-old's hand with no boundaries. I, I don't even understand that. I'm not trying to judge. 
what, I'm not telling you to do it the way I do, and I'm not telling you to never put a phone in an 11-year-old's hand. But I am telling you, technology, if ever there has been rough water and dangerous water, technology is rough, dangerous water. Be careful. We have an epidemic on our hands. I'm not saying don't live with technology. It's here. It's a brilliant, beautiful thing. But be a shepherd. A shepherd does not look at the sheep and go, y'all thirsty? Just get out there in the water and have fun. (laughs) Oh, my bad. They're all dead now. It's not a good shepherd. A good shepherd goes, I'm going to get you. You need water, but I'm going to make sure it's good water. And I'm going to watch you. A good, it's work. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says good shepherds know their sheep. They know this one will eat too much. This one will drink too much. This one likes to swim way too much. And for some reason that crazy sheep, when it hears a wolf howling, thinks it's beautiful and starts walking that direction. <laughs> he knows all the sheep are different. So he uses the hook. And he says, oh, you come back. No, it's work. You wear yourself out. And Jesus says, I have always been willing to wear myself out for you. I am there for you. I gave my life for you. I did the greatest work on the cross for you. We have a great shepherd who loves us, leads us. So watch this. He's engaged. He is not not passive. He's engaged in my life and yours. The Lord is my shepherd. And so all of us shepherds, if we want to be like Jesus, we got to get in the game. We can't put this thing on auto drive. It's work to be a good shepherd. It's work. So get after it. Some of you laid, some of you fathers in this room, some of you father figures, at some point, for some reason, for whatever reason, you laid your shepherd staff down. You put it on automatic and you're just hoping it all works out okay. I challenge you today, in the power and in the name of Jesus, pick that stick back up and lead your homes. Lead your homes and get engaged. Following the shepherd, the good shepherd, results in nourishment, security, and rest. And my prayer is that every father figure in this room, that whoever follows you, whatever child, whatever spouse, whoever's following you, that you will lead them to places of nourishment, security, and rest. It's work. It's worthy work. But again, the primary heartbeat of this passage is Jesus and his shepherding over us, his love for us. His commands are for our good. He's never holding back on us. So when Jesus tells us to not do something, We should know, oh, that's my good shepherd. He sees things I don't see. When we want to step into the water and he's going, no, he sees things we don't see. He sees the rough water down here that we can't see around the bend. So we got to trust him. Now watch this. The point is, as well, that good shepherds create a culture for their sheep where the sheep rest. They're well-rested. They're not anxious and worried all the time, so they relax. And in that day, you could tell a bunch of sheep that had a good shepherd as opposed to a bunch of sheep who had a bad one. Because the sheep who had a bad shepherd, they were scared of everything. If you walked into that herd, they'd all be scared to death of you, wondering what's about to happen. But if you walked around sheep that had a good shepherd, I just chilled out, man. Just relaxing. You ever been around a dog who, who had been abused? You ever seen that? 
Uh, one time I visited a friend and they just gotten a rescue dog and said, be careful around the dog. He's been abused. And you could just walk anywhere near this dog and this dog would just cower down. Turn his head and you just knew that dog has been abused. If you come to my house this afternoon and go in my backyard, you'll meet a Boykin Spaniel by the name of Gus. And what you will find is a dog that has been spoiled. You come out there and he knows. He loves humans because the only humans he knows scratch his belly. He'll just turn over. He knows what's coming. Belly scratch. Food, water. We even put ice in his water, give him a little ice water. Yeah. He likes to swim in a pool. So he just swims with everybody. It is life like you wouldn't believe it. Living it up. Right? Because he's been cared for. But you get around a dog that's been abused and you can see it. And and here's the deal. And what Jesus wants is for us to trust him enough that the world can look at us and go, something's different about them. Why are they not as afraid as the rest of us? Why aren't they as worried as the rest of us? Why are they not scared to death like we all are? And we can all in one accord say, because the Lord is my shepherd. That's why. Because Jesus is my shepherd. So Jesus gives us the invitation in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Don't all our hands go up when he asks that question? So he looks at us, he says, how many of you are afraid, scared, exhausted, tired, worried? We all raise our hands and he goes, good, come to me and I will give you what? That's what a shepherd does, rest. Take my yoke upon you. What's the yoke? His authority, his kingship, his leadership. You're going to want Jesus to lead you and make you lie down because his yoke is gentle, lowly, and easy and light. But there's a phrase here that we all need to see. He says, I'll need you to learn from me. What does that mean? It means Jesus has always been a perfect shepherd for us. It's a process for us to learn to trust that. So he says, you're going to have to learn this. You're going to have to learn to trust me. It's going to take some time. But you're going to have to learn to lie down when I tell you to lie down, to step into the water when I tell you to step into it. You're going to learn to trust me. And when you do, the more you do, watch this, you will rest. Not just rest like a nap, but rest for your soul. Jesus offers rest for our souls. Let's pray together as our team comes. Jesus, thank you for your love and grace. Our team's going to come now and lead us in worship, Father, to you. But my prayer is your word will come alive in our hearts. Change us by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.